0: We are studying the book of Proverbs here on Sundays, and Proverbs is given to us to teach us wisdom, and understanding, and discernment, discretion, and uh, things like that, the Bible tells us. And the chapter that we're on today, chapter 28, uh, you can open your Bible, Proverbs 28, this entire chapter is, has kind of a... The last week's chapter kind of had the, the theme of relationships and friendship and all of that. This week's chapter has kind of the underlying theme of discernment. And discernment, I, I believe I've I've put uh, in your notes there. If you if you have the, the church app, uh, you can open it up to uh, to the notes section, and uh, you can see the uh, you can see the sermon notes there. Um, and in that sermon notes, if I can, if I can find it here, Proverbs 28, um, I've given you a definition for, uh, for discernment. It's the ability to judge well. It's perception in the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. That's a dictionary definition. Let's put it in layman's terms. Discernment's the ability to determine right and wrong even when there's no defining rule or command. It's as we learn wisdom and we, we grow in wisdom and discernment, we'll have the ability to determine what is right and what is wrong even when there's not a rule or a command. I've told my, I've told my boys often the Bible says, Children, obey your parents, and the Lord for this is right. Then it says, honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long on the land. See, as a child, we're supposed to obey mom and dad. But then we reach a point of adulthood where mom and dad are no longer our authority, but they are our advisor. And we, while we're not required by God to obey them at that point, we are required to honor them. Well, when is that point where we don't have to obey anymore? When you're under your own roof, all right? So <laughs> That's kind of a good rule of thumb. You're under your own roof. You do what you want as it honors God, but honor mom and dad. Honor your father and mother. And, uh, and this honoring, how, what, how do you honor mom and dad? It's when you do what you know they would teach you and tell you that you should do, even when they're not there to say, do this or do that, right? When you're doing those things that are right and good and righteous and uh, you're honoring them, even when they're not there to say, you need to clean your room, you need to go apologize, you need to do that. When they're not there to say those things and you do them anyway because you know that that's what's right, that's what mom and dad taught you, you're honoring them. And that's what discernment is. It's knowing what is right and what is wrong. It's determining right and wrong. And many people today live with a guilty conscience because they've gone and done things that are wrong, but they don't want to go and make it right. They buck against that honoring. And they want to do things their way, and they want to say, well, I'm, a, I'm my own person. I'm adult, an adult. I can but I want to do, and here's the thing, here's the, here's the truth of the matter. Many times, guilty consciences can lead to emotional breakdowns and a lot of unresolved problems in our hearts and lives and even some, even some mental uh, conditions. There's a lot of them that that's, that's kind of the root of the problem. And if you're noticing that, that you're struggling with in your relationships, and you're struggling with uh, some, uh, some emotional issues or whatever, I would, I would take a step back if I were you and, and ask God to search me and show me, is there some guilt, something that I'm holding on to? And, here, and here's the truth of the matter, child of God. If Jesus has forgiven you for something, you don't need to be beating yourself up over it. If there's somebody that you've done wrong, go and endeavor to make it right. But once you do, you're free. You don't have to live under that guilt any longer. It might be something that's very private that you've done. Hey, confess it to God and forsake it. And we're going to see the value of that as we go through this chapter. Proverbs 28, the Bible says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth but the righteous are bold as a lion. Have you ever noticed how sensitive we are when we know that we've done something wrong? We try to hide it, try to keep people from seeing, you know, maybe, maybe we sneaked a cookie and we weren't supposed to and and uh, somebody comes through, and, and you know, uh, it, your, your wife comes through, and she says, "I'm going to cook, 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 cookie." I, I didn't need a cookie. What you know? And we get a little bit sensitive. She didn't even say anything about cookie, but we took it that way, and we're a little bit on edge. Have you ever noticed how on edge we get about things when we have a guilty conscience? And, and we're, we're nervous about things and, and uh, kind of afraid that somebody's going to find out. You know, the easiest way to deal with it is to not do that in the first place. But if, but if you have done wrong, the best thing to do is to get it right. But there are entire groups of people in our society today who are living in sin, and they're super sensitive anything about it. They, they seem to think that, that the, more, uh, the more people that condone their decisions, the more okay that it is that they're making their choices. But the Bible says it's sin regardless of how many people like it and, and would approve of it. Hey, if, if the majority of people are liars, it doesn't make lying okay. And, and here's the reality. Every one of us are sinners, but it doesn't make sinning okay. God is not okay with sin just because the majority of people, in fact, all people, do it. See, God doesn't operate in a democracy. And if, you know, everybody's doing it, it doesn't excuse it. God has given a law, and God has, given, uh, has laid down what is righteous and what is good and what is holy. And when we violate that, that is called sin. And it doesn't matter how good your intentions were, how nice of a person you are, or how often or seldom that you do those things. The Bible says it's sin and it's wrong. And a guilty conscience will cause us to flee when no man is pursuing always looking over our shoulder and feeling like that we're going to get caught or something. But the righteous can be bold as a lion. Why? Because you're doing right. You have no cause for, to be nervous about what you're doing. You're, you're living and honoring God, and, and while the world may not appreciate it, while the world may not approve, we can live boldly because here's the thing. On judgment day, we're not going to be standing before the world. We're going to stand before God and give an account to Him as to why we did what we did. As pastor, it's so important for me to make sure that what I'm saying is teaching you what is right from the Word of God and leading you from the Word of God in a direction that is going to be honoring to God so that when you're standing before Him that that you can honestly say, God, I was taught the Word of God and I endeavored to do it. Now, your responsibility doesn't, doesn't stop with what I teach you here from the Word of God. It, it goes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the way through the week. You are responsible to read the Word of God yourself and to obey what God tells you from His Word. But as a person who is endeavoring to live, live right and honor God, we can live boldly, confidently, living for Jesus Christ, regardless of who likes it or not now the world may come against us and say well that's that's not right and there are so many so many christians today who who rather than take a stand for what is right and rather than speak up for god and 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 speak truth and share the gospel we want to be silent because we're afraid that somebody might get upset with us it's our responsibility to share the truth with the world because if we don't give them the truth, they're on their way to a place the Bible calls hell. And they and, and I guarantee you, they would much rather you share the gospel with them and them get mad at you than for you not to share the gospel with them and them to go to hell. They might get mad but you lovingly share the gospel, and, they'll, and, and I believe that, that the more we share the gospel, the more people are going to come to Christ. They're going to be saved from an eternity in hell. They're going to be delivered from that, from that reality, and they're going to be able to spend eternity in heaven with God, and, and they'll thank you for caring enough to risk their anger uh, and, to come to them and share the gospel. But many people won't do it. Many people won't speak up because uh, against the sin of our day. But it is our responsibility as children of God to take a stand. Yes, we should, we should do it graciously. Yes, we should do it lovingly. But do it we should. Amen? We should speak up against the sins of our day. And we should encourage people to, to do right. Now, it's not our job to try to change unbelievers to to live righteously. It's our job to share the gospel with unbelievers so they believe in Jesus and let Jesus change their lives. Back during the the... Time of the the Nazi invasion of Europe, and and as they were uh, as they were getting more and more uh, power and control throughout the uh, throughout the continent of Europe, uh, there was a there was a, a a pastor by the name of of Martin Niemoller, and I probably butchered his his German name, uh, but uh, you get the idea. Uh, but he when he when he saw them coming, he he told everybody, he, he said, look, let's just, let's just be kind and, and let's, let's just get along and let's see how this goes, and, and he kind of cooperated with the Nazis. And before long, though, he found that they, that they tapped his phone line and they were reading his mail and they were infiltrating his church and, and, they, and they had spies here and there, and before long... His his people lost their freedoms, and and he wrote he wrote uh, this this little I guess poem or something. It uh, and it's become fairly fairly famous. It's inscribed on the walls of the Holocaust Museum there in Washington D.C. And it says, "They came for the socialist, and uh, I didn't I, I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. They came for the trade uni- unionist, and I." Did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. That's kind of a sad testimony. While I, may, while I may not agree with all the different peoples and their political beliefs and their ideas, their religious beliefs, we should speak up for them in the one way that we, that we can, and that is speak the truth to them, to see their souls delivered from, from hell. We need to be bold. We need to be gracious. We need to be loving. Because we're not promised that before Jesus comes and takes the church out of here that we'll always have freedom to meet like this. If somebody were to tell us on November twenty second, 2019, that we would have to be meeting outside because the government said you cannot meet inside, and if you meet inside, you cannot have more than 25% of capacity... If we if somebody told us that we would have laughed at them and said, You're crazy. Let's be careful to speak truth. Let's be gracious. There, there are, we live in an area where where people are, are very scared. They're very nervous about all that's going on. So we, we need to be careful but we need to be compassionate enough to give them truth. Let's let's look for opportunities to share truth with our neighbors, with our friends, with strangers around us. Now, I'm going to have to go. That's just verse 1, and I've got 28, so I need to go quickly. For the transgression of the land, many are the princes thereof, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. Here's the thing. Here's what this is saying. Wickedness does not tend to longevity of power. It, when, when, when wicked people are in power, what, they're, what, what they tend to do is they tend to provoke others to try to undermine them and overthrow them. Wickedness does not tend to longevity. Uh, verse 3, A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain w- which leaveth no food. This is, this is when a, a poor man aspires to, to find a position of power, and they, they achieve that position of power, and because they were poor, they, they can relate to the others that are poor. And so it seems that in their newfound position of, of authority and power, they would do things that would be a blessing to the other poor people around them but instead they use their power for self-gratification and they are oppressors of the poor. We see that all the time. We see that all the time in the world around us. People taking advantage of others, promising and promising and promising, and then they get, they get the position and then they oppress The Bible says it's like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. Rain is supposed to come and and, and provide the, the water and the nutrients and all that that the, that the crops need to grow and produce. But a sweeping rain is going to come and it's going to wipe out the crop so it's not able to do anything. And it leaves no food. Verse 4, They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Uh, we're not supposed to praise wickedness. The Bible says we're supposed to take a stand against wickedness. We're, we're not supposed to encourage that. Well, if that's, if that's your truth, if that's the way that you like to do things, just go ahead and help yourself. No, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to help people see how that what they're doing is dangerous. You know, if, if my son went in and, and found some rat poison and wanted to eat it, I, I need to tell him, don't do that. It may taste sweet or it might seem like it's good, but it will kill you. I need to warn him. Not because I want to limit his freedom and be mean and such a dictator, no, because I love him and I don't want him to go to, to, to come to ruin and damage his 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 health, right? So don't praise the wicked. The Bible says, such as keep the law, contend with them. Uh, it's, it's not that we're going to fight against people, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're in a spiritual battle, church. And, and, and you, while we do not see the, the forces of evil, while we don't see Satan and his, his uh, minions with our eyes, uh, we know that they're out there fighting. Because the Bible says, and we encounter it on a regular basis as children of God, as we go out and endeavor to do the work of Jesus Christ in this world around us. But let me tell you this, the more he fights, the more you can be encouraged that you're on the right track. Hey, I, I, we've, see, we've seen more spiritual warfare since we've come here to, to, uh, to Pasadena than I've probably ever seen in my entire life. But I'm, I'm encouraged because here's the thing we invaded his territory. And we're letting him know that not everybody, not everybody in California is going to go to hell because Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. And we have been given the mission as ambassadors for Christ to go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel to every creature. Hey, many of you have been saved since we've come here to, to Pasadena, but many of you have, were already saved, but you're hearing the teaching and you're encouraged to go out and to share the good news and you're reaching your friends what a blessing it is how encouraging it is to be able to see people delivered from the power of darkness evil men understand not judgment the unbelievers they don't they don't really understand why we do what we do and the word judgment here this this is the bible word that that is it means discernment they don't understand what makes something right and what makes it wrong? But let me, let me simplify it for you. What makes something right is God said it's right. What makes something wrong is God says it's wrong. Simple as that, right? But what about those things where the Bible doesn't, doesn't give us a defining line? It teaches us principles. It teaches us principles that shows us the things that we should avoid, the things that we should stay away from. And we want to be careful to stay away from those things that the Bible says to stay away from. Evil men dis- uh, understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. That doesn't mean that the moment you decide, I'm going to seek the Lord, that boom, He gives you understanding of everything. But what it, what it means is, as you're seeking the Lord, He's going to give you understanding. For those situations that you're in he's going to give you direction he's going to give you discernment many times uh, many times unbelievers will they'll they'll uh oppose the scriptures and and they'll they'll argue against the word of god and say well you know if if god is as good as you say he is then what about uh, what about the god of the old testament where he commanded israel to go in and wipe out the canaanites i mean if would a loving god really command genocide how many of you ever seen those those little YouTube videos or something like a couple years ago they had that movie that came out uh, about Christopher Robin, you know, and Winnie the Pooh and all of that. And somebody took scenes from that and set it to music in a minor key and it kind of gave it this spooky thing, you know, and like all of a sudden here's Pooh, you know. <laughs> and it was like creepy. But if you saw the movie, it wasn't scary but it's the context in which it's set and presented. And if all you heard was God told Israel to go into Canaan and to kill everybody, genocide. That would kind of make God look unjust and terrible. But what you don't see in those situations, what, they're, what they don't ever tell you about, is that God had already told Abraham hundreds of years before that he's being patient with the people of Canaan and giving them space to repent. Repent of what? Repent of their idolatry. Repent of their adultery. Repent of their uh, homosexuality. Repent of their human sacrifice. Repent of their murdering babies in and outside the womb. To repent of these things. But they would not do it. And God, being a just God, sent the judgment that he said he was going to send by the hand of Israel. God gave them space to repent, but they wouldn't. And so he sent judgment. Just like he did on Israel years later. Through the Amorites and through the, uh, through, uh, through the Assyrians and through uh, the Can- uh, the, the, uh, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and many others, God did what He said He was going to do. He removed his protection from them and sent the en- allowed the enemy to invade. So it's not right, it's not a accurate representation to say god is just commanding genocide no god is a just god who gave them a chance to repent but they kept reaching for the rat poison and then they died because they wouldn't listen to the cautions and the warnings right we got to move on better is the poor that walketh in his integrity, in his uprightness, than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. It's better to be—it's better to be poor and, not, and, and just barely have two nickels to rub together, but to live in a way that honors God, than to have all the money that you, your heart can can imagine, and to live wickedly. Because riches are, are for a moment. What doth the profit of man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? See, money and things are just temporary. So it's important for us to have, a, have our hearts right with God and honor Him. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a, com- a companion of riotous men shameth his father. Why does it shame his father for him to be a companion of riotous men? Aren't we supposed to be friends with everybody? Yes, but the, if you're a companion, uh, you're, you're hanging around, you're spending a lot of time with, and nearness is likeness. You'll find that you become... Uh, it, studies have shown that you are that the typical person is the average of the five people they spend the most time with. So just look around at who your friends are, and you'll see who you are. Right? He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. This is a man that is that is. Uh, that is dishonest in his dealings, and and he's uh, he's uh, oppressing people and charging too high prices and and things like that. He's it's just unjust gain, dishonest uh, dealings. The Bible says he's going to gather it for him that will pity the poor. See, because because he's not going to live forever, and he may amass a, a great amount of wealth, but he's going to leave it here. He can't take it with him. Uh, I. I used to hear people say, you've never seen a a U-Haul following a hearse. But then I saw one and uh, blew that illustration, (laughs) you know. Uh, but, uh, But the idea is you can't take it with you. When you lead this life, you're not taking anything here in this life as material things with you. Now, what, what I hope we, do, we will take with us when we leave this life is many, many others who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. I'm not saying, like, we'll take them all with us when we go out. Um, but uh, I'm saying that when we go into eternity, that our lives have been lived to lead others to Jesus Christ so that when their life is over, they get to go and spend eternity with us in heaven. Amen? That's what God wants for us. Verse 9, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Hey, parents, how many times do you like for your children to disobey you, but then they ask you to bail them out when they're doing wrong? We don't like that, do we? we? But we do that to God. We'll turn our ear away from hearing what's good and right because I don't want to hear that, because that makes me feel uncomfortable. That, that speaks too much about the things that I'm doing, and I, I don't want to be told that I'm wrong. And so we'll turn away from that, and, and, we'll, and we'll get ourselves into a mess, and, and then we'll, we'll wonder why God doesn't bail us out. He's not promised to bail you out when you've done wrong like that. Now what He has promised is that He'll forgive you. And so your fellowship, your relationship with him can be what it's supposed to be. But he never never said that if you go out and kill somebody, that he'll make it so you don't have to go to jail. Right? He's not going to fix all those problems necessarily. But you can have your relationship and your fellowship right with him. But when we do our own thing and we turn away from hearing God, the Bible says even our prayer... Is abomination. It's, it's like, ah, seriously? Whoso calls that the righteous to go astray in an evil way shall fa- fall himself into his own pit. But the upright shall have good things in possession. We, we need to be influencing people to do right, not influencing people to do wrong. We'll be blessed when we lead people to do right. Not lead people to join in our riot, our riotous living, or, or join into our, our wickedness, or things like that. We just need to get right and lead people to do right. Verse 11, the rich man is wise in his own conceit, but the poor that hath understanding searcheth him out. A rich man thinks that, you know, he, he can do anything, and, and, and it's okay, because if something goes wrong, he can just throw some money at it. But a poor person that doesn't have all that money, he's got, to, he's got to think things through a little bit more and make sure he's not going to mess up because, you know, if, if, he, if, if he doesn't get his wall changed regularly, then it's going to cause the engine to fail sooner and he doesn't have the money to go out and buy a new, a new, a new car, right? But a rich person, if they want to, they could just kind of, oh goodness, you know, 15,000 miles, yeah, let's see. We, we got a we got long ways we can go on this. And if it breaks down, I'll just buy a new one. That's, that's what this is saying. A rich person, they, they just kind of feel free from everything. They feel free. And, but a, a poor person uh, is, going to, is going to think things through a little bit to make sure that he's, that he's not wasting what he's got. When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, a man is hidden. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. See, you, you may think that you're getting away with sin. It may be sins that you're keeping hidden from everybody. But but here's the thing: God sees it. God knows what you're doing. God knows the thoughts that you think. God knows the hidden, uh, the hidden sins of your heart. And while, while nobody else may know about it, you, you think that you, you've kept it hidden, but you are going to answer for that one day. And the Bible says if you, if you cover your sin, you're not going to keep it hidden. It'll be like a cancer, and it will eat you from the inside out. But if you confess it and forsake it, you'll have mercy. the the Bible word confession is agreeing with God about it and when you agree with God about your sin you're going to see it as detestable and you you don't want any part of it and you're going to turn away from it Uh, not only will you confess it but you will forsake it but there's so many times that people will say well yeah I did it but you know everybody does that doesn't make it right it doesn't excuse it we need to confess it and forsake it we need to agree with God about our sin and if you're engaged in some kind of sin and you know it's sin, and, and you and you have the flippant attitude, yeah, everybody does it. Hey, I would get on my knees and get my Bible out and pray and ask God to help me see my sin, but God sees it, because it's dangerous, it's deadly, it will destroy your testimony, it will destroy your relationships, sin is to be avoided at all costs. You might say, well... Pastor Philip, you're, you're preaching pretty hard against sin. Does that mean that you're a perfect person? No, 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 no. Don't ask my wife but I'll, because she'll tell you. But I'll just go ahead and tell you, I'm not perfect. I'm not. But I, 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 I do my best that when, when I do wrong, I do my best to confess it quickly, to keep a short account. I want to to set an example for my family and for the church, but most importantly, most of all, I want to keep my fellowship right with God because I need His help in my life. And if I cover my sin, I won't prosper. The Bible says, "Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief." This feareth alway. It's not talking about being afraid, but it's talking about having that healthy reverence for God and honoring Him with our lives. And and a man that a man that has that healthy reverence uh, for God and and uh, is is considering God in all their ways, you know, thinking about God and and remembering that Jesus is with them wherever they go. He wants to honor God. He wants to be. He wants to be uh, respectful, and he wants to do what's right uh to, to please the lord in his life and and so he and so he doesn't he doesn't go off into sin and the bible says happy that's that's the the new testament word blessed you will be blessed when you cho- when you choose to do right when you have that that sense that god is with you and you're always wanting to honor god but a person that hardens his heart is going to fall into mischief Hey, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to, to, to sin, and you're going to fall into that trap. As a roaring lion and a ranging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor people. He, he's a dictator that keeps people all uh, pushed down and oppressed, and uh, the prince that wanteth un- or lacketh understanding is also a great oppressor. But he that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. This is teaching us the kind of of leaders that we ought to be. Now, we're not princes and we're not rulers and all of that kind of stuff, but we are leaders in our own own right. You, You are in a position of leadership in some relationships. There's somebody looking up to you and following you. How are you leading them? Are you being a great oppressor, keeping people under your thumb, or are you are you leading in a way that's, that's good and right and encouraging to those coming behind you? A man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. Let no man stay him. This is uh, doeth violence to the blood of any person. This is somebody that's, that's, uh, that's uh, killing people or whatever. Uh, the Bible says let him flee to the pit. I, he's, he's got the grave waiting for him, and nobody standing in his way. That's what this is saying. Whoso walketh uprightly. Well, if, if God would say that about, about things physically, that somebody that's going around killing people, don't stand in the way as they're heading to the grave, how much more should we take this as a caution to those that are, that are leading people astray spiritually, leading people to spiritual death? We should take a, we should take a warning from this. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved, but he that is perverse in his way shall fall at once. Now, when it says shall be saved here, it's not talking about your salvation. You, you will not live good enough to earn salvation. That's not what this is saying. You're, the forgiveness of sins and becoming a child of God. Uh, w- the Bible says it is not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy that he saves us. It's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. But what this is saying is if you walk uprightly, if you do right, you're going to protect yourself and deliver yourself from a lot of danger out there. I... As, as a teenager, I heard many of my friends uh, get mad at their parents for, for the sheltered lifestyle that they, that they made them live and how, how they kept them from doing this and that. And the, many of those friends rebelled against their parents and went off and did some things that, that they wanted to do and brought calamity into their lives broken uh, hearts and relationships destroyed and, and this and that and strains between the parents and, and, and so forth. And, and, and I, saw, I saw in the lives of my friends the poor decisions that were being made and how it brought the, the destruction. And that's what this is talking about. They're going to fall. But a person that chooses to do right... He's going to protect himself from a lot of danger. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. This is teaching responsibility. Being a person that's responsible in doing what you're supposed to do to provide. Hey, if you don't, if you don't, uh, b- back in the, those days, uh, well, even even today, uh, there's uh, in the farmlands and things like that. If they don't, if they don't plow their fields at a certain time and plant the seeds at a certain time and and get the crops get, get the the seeds planted by a certain uh, time of the year, uh, then then it's just going to be too late and they can't expect a good harvest. But if you're diligent to, to do the work, it's going to provide plenty of, of bread, plenty of food. But if you're vain and, and lazy, you've got poverty coming, and plenty of it. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he that make, maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. A person that, that, is, on, that is focused on the get-rich-quick schemes, have you ever noticed how those get-rich-quick get, get rich quick schemes, they work, but they don't work for you. They work for the person that hooked you into it, right? They get rich fast, but you seem to do all the work and don't get rich quick. The Bible says if a person that makes haste, that seeks after those get-rich-quick schemes, you're going to, you're going to, if that's the way you live your life, you're going to cut every corner to try to get a a dollar and you're going to try to take advantage of every situation you're going to become dishonest says you'll not be innocent but a faithful man will abound with blessings hey it's just best to be faithful to do things god's way to be diligent in your labor to be a responsible person to do what you what is required of you the Bible says to have respect of persons is not good. For, for a piece of bread, that man will transgress. This is just talking about character. If, hey, are you the type of person that, that could be trusted in a room alone with the rest of our wallets and checkbooks? Could you be trusted to not see how much money people have and try to take some out of the, out of the wallets? You know, there there are some people that you can trust in that way. But there are some people that I wouldn't want to be alone with with them in the room in my wallet, you know. Because they're going to find some way to try to take it out of my pocket and and get the money. Don't be that kind of person. Let's be honest in our dealings. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, just envious. And considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. This is kind of what I was talking about earlier saying that if you, if you warn somebody, if you share, some, uh, share the gospel with somebody, they might get mad at you at first. But when they realize that you did it because you care about them, and especially if they trust Jesus as their Savior, they'll see the value of, of, your, uh, of your, your witness and they'll appreciate what you've done. It's it's not fun to have somebody tell you that you're wrong or that you're you're headed in a wrong direction or whatever. But whenever you whenever you hear that and you follow their advice and their counsel, uh, it and you see the benefit of it, then you appreciate their words. I at the time I might not have appreciated my parents' counsel as they told me some things as they as they uh, didn't let me do some things that my friends did. I might not have appreciated it at the time, but today I can look back and I can say thank God for what my parents did. I appreciated it. Hey, moms and dads, don't worry about making your kids mad by telling them no. They'll get over it. And they'll be on to the next thing. But if you if you will put some boundaries in their life and teach them teach them that there're some things that we as believers just don't do. It'll help them and years from now they'll look back and and with a heart that's right for right with God because you've trained them up in the way they should go, they'll look back and they'll appreciate it whoso robbeth his father or his mother saith uh, and saith it is no transgression the same as a companion of a destroyer again this is talking about character um, and and we talked about we talked about uh, uh, about people who who are dishonest in their dealings hey but there's there's some people that are they're, they're even dishonest with their mom and dad and would steal from mom and dad and try to justify it. well it's it's nothing wrong with this I mean it's it's going to be part of my inheritance anyway yeah but they're not gone, and it's still theirs. And stealing, stealing, no matter who it's from. Let's do right. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Now, there's a verse for us, isn't it? Woohoo! Be made fat. Um, now, this this is talking about. This is when the Bible uses uses the word fat like this. It's 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 not talking about obesity. What it's talking about is you're going to be blessed, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be strong. And a person of a proud heart is just going to stir up all kinds of trouble, and that trouble is going to come back upon them. Like a couple of weeks ago, we looked at whoso rolleth a stone, You know, it's going to roll back on him. If he digs a pit, he's going to fall therein. And if you stir up strife, it's going to come on you. But if you put your trust in the Lord, God is going to protect you and he's going to strengthen you. We might not always understand why God does what he does, but again, he does what is right, and we need to trust him. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. See that? The world says, hey, follow your heart. Hey, if your heart desires it, then go for it. You know? uh, and, and, but the Bible says if you trust in your own heart, you're a fool. But whoso walketh, uh, walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Now, understand that, that uh, as, as a child of God, God changes our heart. And he gives us the right desires. He gives us the right affections to have. As we set our affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Then as we follow those desires that God has given us, then that's okay. And that's good and that's right. That's what the Bible teaches us. But we, we must not follow our sinful, fleshly, carnal heart to lead us to do things uh, that, would, that would be worldly and sinful, that would, be, uh, that would be to satisfy the lust of the flesh, because that will bring destruction. Verse 27, He that giveth to the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Jesus said, the poor you have always with you. There's always going to be poor people around us. And God wants us to show the love of Christ and to be generous and give to those who don't deserve it. And He wants us to, he wants us to, to be generous to those who are in need and I understand that there are many that are, that are in need because they've, they've made some bad decisions and they've put themselves out there. Maybe they've, maybe they've uh, given in to some addictions and things like that and it's got them in a, in a really bad situation. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Everybody's not like that. And if we go around uh, with every every person that we see that is that is poor or, or that is uh, without a home or, or whatever, and then we look at them like they're all a bunch of a bunch of drunks and alcohol uh, and, and drug addicts, and th- hey, that's an evil eye. That's a bad perspective. That is not that is not the love of, of of Jesus Christ. It also doesn't mean that we have to go out and give give all of our money to everybody. What it means is we need to be praying and we need to be prayerful and follow the Spirit of God as He would lead us to be good to somebody. But notice it says, He that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Do you see people in need and just kind of, you know, block them from your view? Are you one that pulls up to a stop sign and you see somebody out there on the corner and you just kind of, I mean, you you saw them, but you don't want them to know that you saw them. You know, so you get on your phone, or which you shouldn't be on your phone when you're driving. But you get on your phone, and or maybe you look at something else, or you you know observe the beautiful sky or whatever. You know, if you hide your eyes from a person in need, the Bible says you'll have many a curse. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish. The righteous increase. The Bible put, uh, also puts it this way in another place. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. It is, it is our place as children of God to, to live righteously and godly. And to, and, and to share the gospel with others uh, so Jesus makes a change in their life so they are living righteously and godly. And the more that we influence with the gospel like that, the more righteous and godly people we will have. Our, our founding fathers here in America, they, they, they made this statement. They said, they said that the Constitution that they, that they uh, wrote, they said it is intended for a good and a moral people. It is wholly useless to any other kind. And our country has, has strayed far from being a godly nation. And that's why many people don't see the Constitution as working very well anymore. Because it was intended for a good and a moral people. I believe that the children of God can have an influence on America. You know, many people look at Bible prophecy and they're like, uh, like where, where's America in all of this? And some people think that they've seen America in Bible prophecy here and there, but, um, but a lot of people have the idea that, you know, you don't see America. I would like to believe that Crosspoint and other churches like ours are preaching the gospel and living the gospel and having an effect on the land around us, on the people around us, that so many people are getting saved, that when Jesus comes back and takes the church out of here, that America is not even enough to even mention. That's what I'd like to see. That's what I'm praying for. Because righteousness exalts a nation. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves. Because the wicked are going to be the oppressors but when they perish, the righteous increase. You know, we, we, see, we see oppression. We see, uh, we see dishonest dealings. We see people lacking character and, and uh, all of these things that we've talked about today. We see people that, that are not living responsibly or not living graciously and lovingly, and, and we see this all around us. But, hey, let us not be that way. Not so that we can look around and say, God, I thank thee that I'm not like all those people but so that we can live our lives in a way reflecting Jesus Christ and people will look at us and say, what is it about you? What makes you different? And we can say, hey, let me tell you, His name is Jesus Scripture says here, we we read it, that that the evil, the wicked, the unbelievers, they don't understand judgment. They don't understand what makes something right and what makes something wrong. Why God would say something is right and something is wrong. But God does say right and wrong. He says that things that are wrong, it's sinful. And sin is wrong. We shouldn't do those things. But here's here's the thing. Every one of us are sinful. And even with an understanding of the danger of sin, uh, we're being born in sin, we're bound in sin, and we're slaves to sin, and we need someone to deliver us. And so Jesus came to set us free and to give us understanding, to give us discernment, to help us to choose to live in a way that's right so that we can be free from sin. Maybe you're here today, and, and you've, you've not been set free from your sin. Maybe you're still under that bondage of sin. Maybe you're still plagued with a guilty conscience over things that you've done. But let me tell you, there's a friend who will forgive you, and he will remove that guilt from you, and he'll give you peace that passes understanding, and he invites you to come to him. He, he will... You've heard me teaching about what's right and wrong, but what you need to understand today is that without faith, everything is wrong. Outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're living in sin. But Jesus wants to change all of that for you. And he invites you to come to him. He invites you to to yield to him and let him make a difference in your life. He gives it freely as a gift. He says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He wants to offer you, and He does offer you that freedom. He offers you that forgiveness. The Bible says, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And if you've never received that gift of eternal life, if you've never received His forgiveness, then today... His grace is extended to you, and He invites you to receive it. How can we receive that gift? How can we come to this friend and and have him to, to, to change us from the inside out so that we're not living according to what the Bible says is sinful? The Bible says that we admit that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We need to first of all admit that we're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners, and you need to admit that you are. We need to believe on Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, Paul said to the Philippian jailer. And we need to confess Jesus, pray and agree with God, talk to God and and ask him to forgive you, acknowledge your sin and and put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive that gift of eternal life. If, 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 If I were to give you a gift today, I would come to you and I would extend it to you and say, here, this is for you. And in order for that gift to become yours, you would need to, first of all, believe that I was giving it to you. And then you would reach out and you would accept it as your own. But until you accepted it and received it, it would not be yours, even though I had it for you. And God is extending to you a gift of eternal life, uh, forgiveness of sins, a place in his family. He holds it out to you today, and he says, I got this for you. I want you to have this. And, but it cannot be yours until you, by faith, receive it as your own. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is will you receive it today? Let's all have our heads bowed and our eyes closed and let's take a moment to to reflect upon what what we've heard from God's word today and and let's Let's yield to him. If you're, if you're saved, I want to encourage you to, to yield to God as he's teaching you discernment, as he's teaching you uh, right and wrong and, and choosing to live right and giving you the boldness to live right. Maybe you've given in to some sin and you need to confess that and, and forsake it and he'll have mercy, the Bible says. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm so grateful for that promise. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, today you can do that by faith. It just, it, there's nothing magical about the words you say. It's, it's faith from your heart. But if you will believe that you're a sinner and that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, and if, and if you'll believe that He will give you salvation, if you'll ask Him for it, and if you'll ask Him, He'll give it to you.